Hey, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. How are you guys doing today? This is your guy, Larry, and you just tuned into Black Nerds Biblecast, where this part, this podcast here that I'm doing is strictly on God's word right now. And then, yes, then later on, we will be talking about some things on tech news and also movies and video games. So but for now, this this particular Bible cast right now is just strictly the Bible cast. And I'm glad that you tuned in. I'm glad you're still following, following up and things. We've been having a wonderful time in some of the devotions that we've been putting out. So one, we've been reading, uh, from Oswald Chambers, um, my almost for his highest been a phenomenal, um, series, some phenomenal de- devotion, excuse me, that, um, we've been reading today's no different. We have something good that we're going to be reading from two. We're going to be, um, reading on the verse of the day, basically. And the verse of the day was pretty awesome too, uh, out of the book of Proverbs, I believe it was. And then we're going to also end the main, the main devotional series that we've been reading called start. And that one there is talking about follow, follow Jesus or follow me. So this is out of, um, the book of Mark chapter one. If you haven't had a chance to read Mark chapter one, definitely want to read it. It's one of the four, the three gospels or four, excuse me, four gospels of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, New Testament. So if you haven't had a chance to go and sit down and take it and give it a read, I'll tell you, uh, Mark, the book of Mark is actually a really good book to also read about the the life, life and, and the walk of Jesus Christ, because it really has, it's almost like an action movie. It's just like gives you straight to the point details about his ministry and what he was doing and how he became, you know, what we now know of as the Messiah. And so he was always the Messiah. I, I stand corrected. He was always the Messiah. He never stopped being the Messiah, but he had to do, take certain steps for us to, to, for the Lord to begin to reveal to, him, to us actually that he was who he is. So, Anyways, <laughs> kind of a little bit, kind of, you know, get my words together sometimes. But again, hopefully you guys understand what I'm talking about. So if you have, if anything else, you know, um, please continue to support the, support the podcast, you know, um, look up, uh, from anchor.com. That's where I'm at, you know, um, I, where you create your own podcast. So definitely keep following me there. I appreciate it. That's going to be at anchor.fm forward slash black nerd dash 50. And then also you can follow me on Facebook, Facebook at, um, Facebook, goodness, uh, <laughs> Facebook, facebook.com, uh, forward slash black nerd, uh, black nerd 46 over there. Then on Instagram is uh black nerd, uh, for you on Instagram and on Twitter is simply black nerd. So I'll eventually get everything one, one way. So it just sounds kind of weird. I have to remember all these different things, but also speaking of remembering all different things, I'm also on the different podcast catchers. So I'm also on pocket cast. I'm on iTunes. I'm also on Google play. I'm also on stitcher, uh, overcast, um, and over uh, Spotify, um, I think I mentioned that. Uh, I believe I'm still on iHeart. I'm not sure yet. Still, I think uh, I see myself on there, but I'm not sure if they were like uploading my my current um, my current episodes. I guess so. I don't know what's going on. So hopefully that they'll get it straight, and hopefully you know people from iHeart can actually hear me too. And then also, uh, what else? Podbean, uh, Overcast. 
and just a, a host of other uh, podcast catchers. Um, Radio Public, that's another one. Radio Public and Stitcher, like I said before. So hopefully, you know, you can check me out on all these different um, podcast forums. And again, if you if you ever encouraged to to do your own podcast, use Anchor. It's, it's absolutely free. I know I'm I'm put, I'm plugging a, a a thing on Anchor, but I'm also have a commercial on there too as well. So um, again, you want to support this podcast? You enjoy what you hear? I appreciate it. So a seed in, in there in in the podcast so that we can do better and make my podcast more, you know, a lot more, you know doable um and just <laughs> more professional sounding okay all right yeah this is, is going to be a crazy morning for me today <laughs> so i hope you enjoy this podcast though so sit back relax and enjoy the next episode of black nerds bible cast Hey, how's it going today? This is your guy, Larry. And guess what? Got a new verse that I read this morning. And actually, I posted on social media. So if you get a chance, you can take a look at it. And um, very interesting kind of to the point verse. But um, it really is saying uh, basically um, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Okay, so I know it's a little direct, but let's let's kind of dive in a little bit what what it really means. So I've been following along this devotional and really what it means is guard your words. So in a multitude of words, there one is not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. And that's found in Proverbs ten nineteen and the of the King James Version. Now, according to Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew word for refrain is chastic, which means to withhold back, withhold, keep back, keep for oneself, keep from, hold in, check, spare, and reserve. So what does this all mean? Basically, before you speak, choose to check and examine your words. Let the word of God filter your heart. In moments of chaos and confusion, choose to refrain from speaking recklessly. Choose to guard and watch your words carefully. Choose to use wisdom in speaking. Now, like in the Amplified version of the same verse, it says, declares. It says, in a multitude of words, transgressions is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is prudent. So in other words, be deliberate and restrain your words. Be prudent and season your words with grace. Ask God for wisdom before you speak. Pray and choose to use discretion before speaking. Speak as God leads. Okay. And then a new living translation. Let's put it out there plainly. It says the same verse. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. You don't have to say you don't have to stay silent in all seasons, but there is a time to speak. And a time to refrain from speaking. Choose to let God's wisdom flow from your heart and lips. So basically, you know, allow God to be kind of like your guide in all situations. 
there might be times where you could be listening to somebody speak and you might just the Lord might be telling you just to keep silent and listen. Another thing is not always good to react right away. A lot of times, you know, in arguments and sometimes we have disagreements and you're going to have disagreements, but there's going to be times where, you know, you're going to have to refrain from saying the very thing that may be coming from you. Remember this words can hurt and anything that comes from you or, or vice versa. But since we're talking about us, you know, once it comes out, you can't take it back. And you don't want to say something that you're going to regret or something that you really don't mean. And then you have to go back and apologize because even if you have to apologize for something that you said, the damage is already done. That other person, they can never un unhear what you said. So be careful about what you say before you say it. A lot of times, you know, it's always good to kind of stop and take a pause in a moment and say, you know what? I'm not going to say anything right now because I just feel like right now it's not the right time. The person doesn't understand that and they keep trying to push you, you know, they're going to have to understand that, you know, if you get, keep getting pushed that you'll end up saying something you shouldn't say. And all things, though, what you need to do, though, is really pray and ask, ask the Lord to kind of refrain your tongue and refrain your speech. A lot of these times it happens when we're emotionally, we get emotional and we're angry about something. So it might be something that the other person said. It might be something that, you know, you might've heard, maybe something, somebody done something to you and you feel the need to just say what you, what's on your mind. But a lot of times it's not always good to say what's on your mind. It could start all kind of problems. So am I seeing to be the bigger person? Yeah. In some cases you have to be the bigger person. Sometimes you have to be the one to kind of refrain. Does that mean that that seem like all the time you got to be the one? I mean, all depends on the situation, but a lot of times you may, you may be the one to have to have to kind of shut it down or, you know, a lot of times you're the one that causes the causes it to calm down. Sometimes a silent, a silent response or no response at all is better than giving a response. So always think about that. And by all things, again, if you ever in a situation like that and you just feel like, man, I really want to say something to this person. I really want to give them a piece of my mind or maybe I want to tell them what's in my heart or whatever. Sometimes you really need to stop and you really need to pray. In all things, before you even say a word, ask God to direct and guide you. Ask him to season your words and, and, and season, season them in a way to where they are not so harsh. And that the person that you're trying to deliver the message to or trying to even have a conversation with, maybe they just need to maybe maybe need to hear you in a calm way. And they don't expect you to come that way. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to look at this. Um, God is a peacemaker and we need to really, really rely and trust in the Lord and the Holy Spirit to show us what we need to do. I hope that helped you this morning. All right.
Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful morning. So I've been reading another part out of Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. Very good. Um, just a very good devotional. And today I was reading about clouds and darkness. So clouds and darkness around him and that's found in Psalms 97 and 2. Okay, so it says a person who has not been born again by the Spirit of God will tell you that the teachings of Jesus are simple. But when he is baptized by the Holy Spirit, he finds that clouds and darkness surround him. When we come into close contact with the teachings of Jesus Christ, we have our first realization of this. The only possible way to have full understanding of the teaching of Jesus is through the light of the Spirit of God shining inside of us. If we have never had the experience of taking our casual religious shoes off, our casual religious feet, getting rid of all the access uh, informality with which we approach God, it is questionable whether we have ever understood in his ever stood in his presence. The people who are flippant and disrespectful in their approach to God are those who have never been introduced to Jesus Christ. Only after the amazing delight and liberty of realizing what Jesus Christ does comes the impenetrable darkness of realizing who he is. Jesus said it said, said this, and this is out of John 6, 63. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Once the Bible was just so many words to us, basically clouds and darkness. Then suddenly the words become spirit and life because Jesus re-speaks them to us when our circumstances uh, make the words new. That is the way God speaks to us, not by vision and dreams, but by words. When a man gets to God, it is the most simple way, words. Wow. What do you guys think about that this morning? So are you one that only sees God's words as just clouds and darkness? Or are you one that has approached God with this impenetrable, basically, access to go through the darkness and see past that and get into the presence of God? I tell you this, you can be religious and just kind of like go through the mundane things of being like quote unquote good and that can only be achieved only as you do the things that you do in other words yeah it's good to do like you know the good things to do but when you when you really want what God has for you you really want God's best try approaching him Try pressing in closer to him, saying, God, God, I'm not just satisfied with just, you know, getting by or just being good. I don't want to be just good enough. I want more of you and whatever it is that you desire me to do and be. That's what I want. A lot of times we read. We're so quick 
and we're so like we're in a hurry because we don't really push and press in for more of God, more of him. Do you realize that God is really the gift? He's really the, the he is the treasure that we as Christians, we really chase after because of the fact that if you if you press in and push more toward God, he becomes a treasure. He becomes the most highest prize. Now, am I saying you can ever obtain God? No, but you can obtain and be in his presence. So when you get in his presence, guess what? You have him and he has you. So this is a reciprocation. And there's a transference that goes and that happens within that space and that time, especially a time of devotion and a time of prayer. When you be so deep in prayer that you actually enter the throne room of God, it's pretty powerful because in that moment, nothing else in your life matters. Nothing else when it comes to the problems and issues of the day or even days that you had or or issues of life, they don't even matter anymore because you're deeply in the presence of God. Am I saying that that's kind of like a, you know, metaphysical or out of body experience? Not really. I mean, really, when God takes over and you really enter into his presence, trust me, you begin to hear God in a new light and it affects everything. It affects your day. It affects how you respond to people. It affects how you even read his word. Because what happens is, is that the light and the, and the light and the visual of God becomes so tangible to you and your eyes are more open than you've ever been before. Your spiritual eyes are open. In other words, you're not just doing things just because it's the right thing to do. You're doing things because of the fact that you've pursued God beyond beyond what you see of him in the Bible, what you've heard of him from other people. Now you want you, you yourself want to enter into that place of the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, into at his feet. You want to press in because a simple prayer is not good enough. A simple prayer doesn't just satisfy you. You really want to be at the feet of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the most beautiful place to be and the most peaceful place to be. If you want power, you want authority, you want direction, you want guidance. Sometimes it just takes that extra effort. To get a little further into the presence of God. Take that extra effort instead of rushing through a scripture so that you can, you know, run out and do that chore. Or maybe even go to work. Yeah, I've even said that. Sometimes taking that extra time, though, you'll be surprised how miraculous. God will change your day starting from the time that you need to rush to go to work. He will make things happen or even hold sometimes in, it may be weird, but make time stand still so that you can get there on time. Remember this though, whatever you sacrifice for God, God sees it 
And he always is watching, especially if you're sacrificing for him. Because eventually what will happen, he will pour out a blessing for you to keep you encouraged to keep sacrificing. Never stop. Well, I hope that was a good saying or devotional this morning. I hope that encouraged someone out there. So, again, stay tuned for this message from Anchor. Hey, good morning, guys. So hopefully you had a wonderful day or having a wonderful day. Maybe you're at the end of your day and you're kind of kicking back and listening to the podcast or maybe you're at work and you're kind of going through the grind or exercising or maybe you just got up in the morning and you're getting ready to start your day, maybe brushing your teeth or, you know, what I'm saying or doing the morning chores or whatever you're doing. But or you, you could be even riding on the transit or something or riding in your car but whatever you're doing i hope you're having a wonderful day out there hope everything's going well for you hopefully your weekend was good and god has blessed you to see another day look if you had something to eat this morning or if you even had even going home to make something to eat or getting something to eat hey no matter what it is that's a blessing okay so always remember that always remember that is for to just thank god for the little things Amen. So check this out. We're going to go into our devotion and we're going to we're going to read out of the book of Mark in the New Testament. And that's going to be Mark chapter one. And so this is going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist as he prepares the way Uh, just to kind of give you a kind of a little backstory. John, he he was a, a preacher that was out in the world in the wilderness back in Jesus's day. And he would always preach about the good news of of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of God coming. He's always talked about that. And so basically what he was and how God used him was he used him to prepare. In other words, to preach a message about Christ coming. He was the last voice that you would hear in the New Testament that talked about Christ coming. Of course, you know, the prophets of old in the Old Testament, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, like, like a lot of them in the Old Testament, they talked about the coming of Christ but here right here in the New Testament we have John the Baptist John the Baptist was kind of a kind of a kind of a weird kind of guy in other words he was out there in the wilderness he preached out there in the wilderness he baptized out in the wilderness basically he didn't want no distraction as a matter of fact you had to come to him in other words, you didn't, he didn't come to you. You had to come to him. You had to come all the way out there to the wilderness to, to see him, to hear the message that he had to say. And pretty much most people, if you had to come out there, guess what? You're going to be serious about listening to what he had to say because you had to go all the way out in the wilderness just to get to him. So we're going to read a little bit of chapter one of Mark and see, let's hear what, what he has to say about this. So it says that this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. It began just as the prophet had written. Look, I am sending my, my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. 
He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare for the Lord's coming and clear the road for him. Now, again, this was the voice. This was written about John the Baptist and the the prophet Isaiah. So I'm sure if you go to the book of Isaiah, you'll actually read this. And this was a prophetic. This was a prophetic um, thing that was spoken of John the Baptist well before John the Baptist was born. So they were saying that there will be one that's way out in the wilderness preaching and, and proclaiming prepare for prepare the way for the Lord is coming. Amen. Now, this messenger was John the Baptist, chapter verse four. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God and to and to be forgiven. So <clears throat> the reason why for him, baptism was very important because it was an outward symbol of you washing away or, or turning away from your old life and entering into your new life. In other words, repent. That means turn from your sins. And then it says turn to God. So this was a this is uh, was this was a moment in which you know people were coming out not just to hear his words but also to be baptized by him as well now verse 5 says all of judea including the people of jerusalem went out to see and hear john and when they confessed their sins he baptized them in the jordan river his clothes were woven up from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist for food he ate locusts and wild honey now verse 7 says just john announced someone is coming soon who is greater than i am so much greater that i am not even worthy to stoop down to like his slave and untie the straps of his sandals so then he says i baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the holy spirit amen so for one, John is talking about, well, let's just go back and look, look at John. Okay. So number one, John was a messenger and he was, and they says his location was out in the wilderness. Like I said before. So people, the people that came out there, they already had intention on what they were looking for from John the Baptist. So in other words, he showed that they had to repent and and of their sins and turn to God. So pretty much John was a straightforward preacher. He didn't beat around the bush too much about his message. He said, if you want to come all the way out here, you gotta come, you gotta come 100 percent Okay. And that means that the only turning you're gonna do is you're gonna turn from your sins, you're gonna to turn to God. So it says all of Judea, including including all of people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. When they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River, it was it was not a, you know, it, it was like, I can only imagine that this river was not, um, not anything spectacular. In other words, you know, I live in Sacramento here, and I can only picture it being like the Sacramento River. And some of you already know what the Sacramento River looks like. It's not that attractive. So imagine that, you know, you know, you, you're being baptized in the Jordan River. You know, it's not that attractive. It's not no, it's, it's not flamboyant. 
It's no, you know, glitz and glamour. It's just water. And so what John does is he baptizes them and lets them know this is what you're doing. You're not just doing this to get seen or you're not doing this as, a, as you know, for other people to see you. This is, in other words, this is not just merely you being dunked in some water to get wet. You have to literally decide and, and, and turn from your sins. So in other words, they had to confess that they are sinners or they have sinned and they want to be baptized in Jordan River. Now, it talks about his makeup, his his outfit, his clothes. His clothes are woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. He, for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. So let me stop right there. John the Baptist appeared to be a man who pretty much, he did his own clothes. He lived out there in the wilderness. He didn't have, he didn't just decide he want to live with a roof over his head. I'm sure John the Baptist slept out there, ate out there. You know, he stayed out there for hours. You know, sometimes in life when your purpose is something that's so strong, you're, you're willing to do whatever it takes to achieve that purpose. And you know something? John had was fulfilling his purpose. His purpose was one, was to preach about the coming of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two, to preach to the point where the people would, would confess their sins and turn from their sins and be baptized. He wasn't worried about what he looked like. He wasn't concerned about, you know, him looking good. No, that's not what he was concerned about. Only thing he was concerned about was people being convicted to the heart so that they can turn from their sins and turn to God. In other words, also the prepare preparation. Now, later he talks about this. He says, someone is coming who is greater than I am. And he's saying, and he's, he specifically, really, really specifically says that he is so much greater that he's not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Okay, let me just say this. He recognized that the Messiah, whoever he was, was coming and that the power that he'll have was so much greater. But number two, because of his identity of who he is, John the Baptist looked at him as royalty, as a king. He looked at him as this is like none other. In other words, when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come. And you're going to have to deal with him. And not only that, he's going to come and do what God has called him to do and wash away the sins of the world. And that's why he said he's not worthy to even stoop down and untie his sandals, his straps of his sandals, even as a slave. Because of the grace and mercy and love that God has, that God's going to provide this son. Jesus Christ. Amen. He says also, he talks about how he will baptize. In other words, he compares Jesus's baptism to his own. He says, I baptize you with water. That means the water, like I said before, it was just water. There was no magical tendencies in the water. 
It was just plain, ordinary water. He says, I'm baptize you with water, but he will come. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit being the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is going to, other words, they say baptize you. That means that submerse you and he will be in you and around you. So the Holy Spirit is going to be the one to empower you and guide you, guide you through this life. So what do you think about this, this, uh, this here, um, you know, devotion that we're reading this morning. Got to remember something, you know, um, it's phenomenal as far as like, you know, hearing about God's word. So let's read that devotional real quick. Okay. So it says, so we're going to, where do we begin? He says, well, for disciples, it all began with two simple words. And that is follow me. And the journey ahead will change everything. So that's where we'll start too. So following Jesus, our plan is simple. Okay, so it says first we'll follow Jesus. The story of gospel in the gospel of Mark. Then we'll talk about our story in the book of Colossians. And Mark will see what it, what it is meant. To follow Jesus and back then and in Colossians we'll see what it means to follow him today so we're going to get into it real quick here so it says um, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ the, the Messiah the Son of God that's quite an opening first it's good news and I love good news it's about Jesus the Messiah Messiah means anointed one God's chosen and Jesus is the son of God verse 2 begins with a prophecy from centuries earlier I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way God's messenger was a man named John sent to preach and to prepare the hearts of Jesus how did he prepare them well in verse 4 it says that he preached a baptism of repentance and for forgiveness of sin repentance is the key to, re to repent is to change your mind and change your direction. Recognize what I did wrong, then turn away from it and follow, uh, follow a whole new direction. So people came from far and wide to hear John to, re to repent and get baptized. This is key. The first step following Jesus is a change of direction. Confess the wrong you've done and turn away from it and turn towards Jesus. John baptized with water as a sign of repentance, but he also told them that Jesus is coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So then in verse nine, Jesus comes from Nazareth and John the Baptist uh, baptized him. But Jesus' baptism was different. The Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Now, as I'm reading this uh, devotion real quick, it begins to talk a little bit more about verse 11 and verse 14, which we haven't gotten into. So I want to kind of put that on hold for next time. And we'll continue on with that. How about that?
Hey, so you still hanging in there? So guess what? So we're going to continue on in the uh, first chapter of Mark. And we're going to go ahead and pick off where we left off last time, which was uh, Mark uh, 1 through 8. And this is the involving the baptism and temptation of Jesus. So it says here in verse 9, One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Verse 12, the spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him while he was out there. Verse 14, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has at last come or has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Uh, for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up uh, the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father uh, Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. All right. Awesome, huh? So let's kind of talk about that for a minute. So first of all, we understand that the baptism of Jesus Christ was not the normal baptism. And I'm sure that when John the Baptist was out there, he pre he baptized many people. But this one, this time when Jesus came, this was a moment in time with that even the Bible kind of really kind of sets a parentheses about this. In other words, this was leading up to the phenomenal baptism of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to say this real quick. Though Jesus was a son of God and he was, you know, he was a son of God and he had his fulfilled purpose. He felt it was needed to be baptized by the one by John the Baptist for one to fulfill what scripture had already foretold about him. He was he was being foretold in the Old Testament that when he came, that when Jesus Christ came, that that the that there will be a sign that would actually signify that he is being anointed for ministry. In other words, when Jesus came, man, you know, first of all, we we have to understand that when Jesus came, this was the beginning of his, his ministry, his earthly ministry. Before he began to preach, began to proclaim the good news, became, uh, before he proclaimed that the kingdom of God is here, he had to first figure, I'm going to be baptized and I'm going to allow God to just begin to anoint me and begin to set me off to for ministry, basically. And this is what he did. And this is what made this such a phenomenal event, because John the Baptist 
even to this point, probably didn't have no idea that this was the, the Messiah. He understood something was different about him, I'm sure. But when he arrived to be baptized, he was like, first of all, he didn't understand why well, if he needed to be baptized, he couldn't be everything that God had called him to be. What, But we see when he baptized him, he came up out of the water. It says the heavens split apart and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Understand this part. This is one moment I would have to say that though the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity, we see the three, we see the, the three Trinity. The, basically, we see the God Trinity. We see the heavens open up. We see the Holy Spirit coming in, coming down as a, in a, like a form of a dove. We also see, we hear the voice from heaven, which is God himself, the father. And in the midst of that, we see Jesus Christ, the son of the son of God. So you have the Holy Spirit, you have God, the father and God, the son. So then after that, right after that, it sounds like it says the spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness, okay, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Understand this. A lot of times when you're blessed or sometimes when good things happen to you, sometimes the devil doesn't like that. Sometimes evil is right around the corner. You ever notice that? You ever notice sometimes a good thing happens and then sometimes a bad thing kind of follows up after that? But in this case here, this, even though it sounded like that, but this was more like him being tested. So he was being tested. He was being tempted by Satan for 40 days. This is why too, it says that Jesus was tempted in every, every way man has been, but he didn't sin. Now, <clears throat> just a disclaimer. It's not a sin to be tempted because that's Satan's job. That's what he does. He's going to tempt you. He's like, he's going to tempt me. But once you, once you follow that temptation and go into sin, that's when it's wrong. So then he said that he was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. That's a phenomenal thing too, because while he was being tempted, it wasn't like he was alone. And understand this, when you're being tempted as well, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. Christ is with you through the whole way through, but he's wanting you to survive that temptation. He's wanting you to press past the temptation and not give in to the temptation. Remember, the devil is trying to tempt you, but this is also, I would also compare it to being tested because each time you're tested, you learn and you overcome that testing or that temptation even. You learn to be stronger and rely more on God than you've ever had before. So remember the next time you're tempted always think about the think about the, the fact that you might be being tested and that you need to survive that test and overcome that temptation in order to be stronger and get closer to whatever god's will is for your life amen so later on after john was arrested the bible says jesus went into galilee and he preached where he preached the uh, god's good news it says here, he says, the time promised by God has come at last, he, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now, 
<clears throat> this was also awesome too because this was his first declaration. In other words, he he declares that something that has has been foretold about him, he he has also quoted it. He said that the the time is pro the time promised by God has come at last. Okay. Now one of the, the another version of the Bible says that he it mentions he said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay. So basically, you know the 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 time of the time that was uh, that was foretold about him has already came forth. So the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's other versions where it even says here. Um, he says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Amen. So, you know, as I'm reading this, it's also awesome to see how, you know, God had declared this message. He declared this message continuously. So now after he had repent, after he had declared that message and made that huge declaration. OK, he then goes out and he 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 gathers his his disciples. In other words, in verse 16, it says one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, the bro his brother, and his brother, Andrew. So Simon and, and Andrew uh, joined him. And then a little further down, the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, they ended up joining him next. So he had four men to join him as his disciples. Remember, there's a difference. They were followers of Jesus Christ. But at that time, they were really just doing what he was. They were told to do. They had a feeling that he was somebody that they needed to follow. But no, remember this: in the scriptures, it talks about that they made a living as a fisherman, as fishermen. So they made a living out there. They were on their own. But for them to drop what they were doing and to follow him, that meant a lot. That really meant a lot. So the next thing, the next thing we hear is we talk about Jesus cast out an evil spirit. But before we get into that, let's go back into what the devotional is saying as well about this. So, um, the verse, verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse, after we get into verse 11, says so then in verse 9 Jesus came from Nazareth John baptized him but Jesus's baptism was different the spirit descended on, on him like a dove in verse 11 it says a voice from, came from heaven you are my son whom I love with you I am well pleased there's so much to see here but I want want you to read for yourself that's that's how this works so after that, in verse 14, he says, after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. Okay, let me stop right there because I don't want the devotional to get ahead of me here because this is a lot to unpack. Okay, so we're going to go back into we're going to go back into the Bible portion of it and we're going to continue to read because this is also going far into chapter one uh, of um the chapter one of Mark, excuse me. So Jesus cast out an evil spirit in verse 21. 
Jesus and his, and his companions went down to the town of Capernaum when the Sabbath day came. He went into the synagogue and be, began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, verse 24, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into convulsion and then came out of him. Number 20, verse 27, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It is, has such an authority. An evil spirit obeys his orders. The news about Jesus quickly spread throughout the entire region of Galilee. <clears throat> Verse 29 says Jesus heals many people after that. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, then they and they went to Simon and Andrew's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law would lay in bed sick with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. He went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Verse 32, he says, That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. And he says, The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick and various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Now, verse 35 talks about before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and, and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in synagogues and casting out demons. <clears throat> now, it was a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was brought was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses. For those who have been healed by, by of leprosy, this will be the public testimony that you have been cleansed. <clears throat> but, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't pu publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded area, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. It's quite a bit here. So we're going to start off. Um, we're talking about how Jesus came on the scene pretty much took over from where baptism was 
and how he began to, you know, go out in the town and just pretty much started preaching and, and fulfilling his calling of his life, right? So, um, so as he's as he's doing this, we got to remember um, several things. One, you know, when you're following Jesus, you're going to see things that are not normal. In other words, as you follow in Christ in your life, God's going to place people in positions in your life. He's going to place things in your life that's going to continue to just, you know, God's purpose. So as you begin to follow him, just look for look for the, the most amazing path that you're going to be on a lot of times you know you're not sure exactly what god is going to have in store for you okay um i'm sure following christ you know for the for especially for the disciples was like none other because of the fact that they didn't know exactly what's going on and not only that but when they saw jesus healing it created more and more crowds these crowds began to follow him because of the fact that what he was doing was healing what that did was that that actually prevented him from preaching and he had no choice but to preach on the outskirts. Remember this, <clears throat> nothing happens by by accident. God chose that. He chose the ministry. He 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 directed the 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 way things happen. And so, you know what? As a result, he had to get up preaching on the outside where people can come to him. You know, everywhere he went, there was crowds around him. No place could hold him after a while. No place can hold the crowds. Can you imagine some of the, one of the greatest or the biggest place, like say at uh, what's the biggest place you can you can think of right now that holds a, a concert at the Garden in New York, right? Maybe that's like the biggest place that that um, is considered like place where you know people go and and they have like the greatest concerts okay so can you imagine a place like that being overfilled with people that was following after jesus christ i mean now i'm not saying that there was that many people but it was sure enough to where it created a chaos and crowds and everything else so i want to ask you today though are you are you excuse me are you one that is actually interested in following Jesus Christ. Remember this, when you follow Jesus Christ, you know, your life is going to change in a, in a way that is different. I'm not going to say, just say great and normal or something like that, because you're going to encounter the people that you, that you encounter in your life, whether it be your relatives, friends, coworkers, they're going to be the ones that is going to influence you. They're going to be influenced by you through Christ. Christ wants to use you. And this is the reason why, too, that you have to repent and be saved. You have to return from your sins and so that God can use you just like how he used Jesus Christ. So just something to think about this morning. I really, you know, I had to cut the devotional part short because it kind of was going into a direction that, I wasn't really sure about is going along with what the scripture was reading, but <clears throat> I do want you to understand though, that, that, yeah, you know, if you're new in Christ, um, you, you have the best decision that you've ever made in your life. And that is to follow Christ. 
follow Jesus Christ in your life. In other words, being a Christian, it's awesome. You know, simply, you know, just allowing God to, to, to mature you and to grow you into a more, just into a better life and, and into the life that he's allowing you. Along with that too, you know, I'm not here to tell you what church to go to, but I am here to tell you that go to a Bible believing church, someone, uh, some place that teaches the word of God and some place that the people can embrace you, make you feel welcome there. And not only that, but they're not going to judge you. They're not going to put you down because remember the Bible tells us that to come as you are. If you come as you are, guess what? You know, the people should be accepting of you and bring you in open arms and stuff. They don't want to put any pressure on you, you know, make you, you know, push you into things that you're not ready for. But do remember this, that the Lord will, will always, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never, he'll never leave your side. Hopefully your experiences with, with God is going to be good. And you're going to continue to, to want more of him and hunger after him and thirst after him. Remember, too, you know, I've said this before. When you chase God, God is your prize. He's the one that you have to go after in, other, in this life. And, you know, God is not going to keep running from you. He's not. He does. That's not what he does. But when we pursue him, though. God sees that we want more of him and not, not just like I say, we want his heart, not his hand. Amen. So I hope you got a little bit out of the scripture reading this morning. I know I was kind of all over the place. I'll try to be a little bit more organized next time, but definitely, definitely. I hope that you got something out of it. Like I did as well. And, um, you know what? I'll be looking forward to just reading some more out of the devotions next time. And we'll talk some more of God's word until then have a wonderful day. Enjoy the rest of your day and hope to see you and hear or see you next time. God bless.